After three months of lockdown, two losers are still trapped in their bedrooms doing a podcast about theme parks, even though all the theme parks are closed. But for how much longer? I'm Tom. Josh, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good, Tom. How are you? I'm not too bad. I was going to try going and keep that slightly insane. I'm going slightly insane. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you could tell at all. I was going to try and keep that going for longer, but then I realised I couldn't. I couldn't. Oh, yeah. I don't know what episode this is now, Josh. Of lockdown, like ten, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, twelve. Yeah. How old am I now? How long has it been? How long has it been? <laughs> I don't know what it feels like to have the sun on my skin. The wind goes through what little hair I have left. <laughs> I've forgotten what the Pirates of the Caribbean ride smells like. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough. Make it stop. Make it stop. Take hard. <laughs> oh... Yeah, well, this is the Park Rush podcast, believe it or not. It's a theme park podcast. I'm Tom, joining me as ever is Josh. Josh, <laughs> hello there. <laughs> hello. Uh, been watching a lot of Clone Wars to try and get me through this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, yeah, you, you've caught up, or you're starting to catch up now. You're sort of a fair way through season two. Um, yeah, well, yeah, I'm on uh, episode eight. Right. Yes, you're just about yeah. to approach some hot Obi Wan Kenobi action. Yeah, uh, my uh, my viewing habits are um, all over the place. I would say I've, I'm watching that uh, at the same time as watching Line of Duty, <laughs> um, which, if you don't know, is a oh the companion series. <laughs> yes, um, it's a buddy cop drama. Uh, well, that's it's basically about what the prequels are. Yeah. It's about anti-corruption, which is kind of what Clone Wars is about. Uh, inside the police force, uh, in the in the Metropolitan Police, I guess. Does um, it have? And at the same, uh, Sorry, go uh, ahead. And at the same time, I'm watching The Last Dance, which is about uh, Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Oh right, yeah, yeah. I've heard really good things about that. It's really interesting, certainly if you like basketball. Uh, do, do any of these shows have? Other than Clone Wars, obviously, do, do the other two shows you're watching have Clone Wars style intros? And if not, why not? I'm starting to feel like every show should should have that. Uh, no. Um, Corruption in the Metropolitan Police. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. That would make that show even better. Uh, the Last Dance has the... Uh, we're going to take a few snippets out of what's coming later to make it seem like it's more controversial than it is. To like, you know, build up anticipation. It does that before the intro. Um, but Michael yeah, no. Jordan is going to throw balls in hoops. <laughs> Josh, I need to lie down. I need you to also sound like uh, the news at eleven guy. <laughs> I, I, I would watch the news at ten or eleven every night if it was the guy from the Clifford intro. Ah. The Prime Minister's advisor had been breaking his own lockdown rules. Two Jedi Knights have been dispatched to dispose of him. Should we talk about Can we get Jedi Knights? <laughs> Jedi Knights just <laughs> traversing the country, making sure everyone's obeying the rules. <laughs> I, 
I could get behind that. Oh, gosh. I don't know how much longer I can last in lockdown, Josh. I, I always considered myself a bit of a social recluse, but even even I am being driven c- completely mad by this at this point. Uh, I, I've done this really weird thing where when you know we were on hard lockdown, we could only go out for an hour a day, I was taking my full hour. Uh, now that the rules have been you know slackened slightly, I've gone, nah, I'm just going to stay in all day. <laughs> yeah, I think part of it is that I'm a little bit more nervous about coming into contact with people who I, I wouldn't necessarily trust to have washed their hands, i.e. I've been down to town. So I yeah. went for a walk the other day and I ended up in the town centre, heading towards the town centre because I thought oh, I'll cut through and get to the park. And it was really busy down there and obviously none of the shops really are open so it was mostly just people milling about but it just put me a bit on edge like, oh, I've got to sort of... Assassin's Creed won my way through this crowd. <laughs> so I, I couldn't think of a nicer place to mill about than Dartford High Street. No, I absolutely couldn't. I, I'd play an Assassin's Creed game set in Dartford, though. That'd be. Oh, yeah. It's one of the few places where I could actually believe if you chucked a coin on the floor, people might actually scamper and sort of <laughs> swarm on top of it so that you could walk off unnoticed. All, all the school kids are trying to stamp on it. To be the first one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, this has been a very truncated introduction to the Park Rush podcast, which we should crack on with because I say this, I've said this every crack week on. since we've been in lockdown, to be fair. Every week I sort of get sit down in front of the microphone and think to myself, theme park podcast in lockdown seems an odd thing to be doing considering nobody can go to any theme parks right now but that's slowly becoming not the case and there's actually been an increasing amount of theme park news especially over the last sort of three or four weeks yeah and this week is like a bumper news special you'd be you'd be buzzing for this amount of news in peak theme park season let alone (laughs) a pandemic lockdown so there's a lot to get through and I think the only place to start really is the first major, I would suggest, maybe that's being a little hard. Well, certainly the most first major US park, I was going to say Western Park. And then I thought, oh, I might get some Europa Park Ultras writing in. Actually, we're <laughs> opening first. Um, but first major US theme park resort, Universal Orlando, has said it's going to reopen on June the 5th. Yeah. Which is very, very soon indeed. Uh, we'll get into well, whether or not... my birthday is coming up, so they wanted to open before then. Oh, I see. Of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. When's your birthday? Uh, the 7th of June. Could you feasibly fly out there? I, I don't know. I don't think there would be any flights on, would there? Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, in theory, I could. Um, I don't know. There's no lockdown. There's no... Uh, Quarantine. Like quarantine over there, right? As far as I'm aware. I'm not actually 100% sure what the travel situation in the US is at the moment because obviously he did for he did previously announce that he was blocking all travelling from Europe. It's true, yeah. Trump this is. Uh, and then he extended it to the UK. And I don't know what's happened since then, to be fair. Uh, this isn't um, great uh, news knowledge that I'm uh, conveying here, but... Um, I, I can fly via American uh, still, not a sponsor, um, or Iberia. Right. Via, via Dallas-Fort Worth. 
Well, you're desperate. Are you that desperate to get yourself to Universal Orlando's grand reopening? I'm a, well, I've got the uh, Friday and the Monday off around my birthday, so I could, in theory, fly out on the Friday, uh, spend the weekend at Universal, and then fly back on the Monday. I won't, no, but... <laughs> no. So, we'll get into Universal's well. kind of criteria. 425 quid. That's pretty good. Yeah, return. Like, I would imagine, as you know, just purely through desperation to get people back in the air, airline prices are actually probably going to be quite reasonable for a while now, right? Yeah, I thought so. I mean, I guess there's two ways of them thinking about it. They either need to up the prices because they're taking less people, or they keep them low to, to try and get more people. Try and get more people on. Have to wait and see uh, which direction they take. I suppose. But, reckons I can fly British Airways for four hundred quid. What, in the first week of June? Yeah, on the 5th of June, fly back on the uh, 8th, £403. Sorted. Done. Well, there you have it. Done. The first Park Rush trip report of 2020. (laughs) Long delayed. (laughs) Josh's birthday at Universal. And then I I have to spend two weeks self-isolating at home. (laughs) Otherwise I get fined. Recreating your experience in Planet Coaster or something. Think of it that way. Oh, yeah, just a two-week live stream. Could watch finish the whole Clone Wars series in that time, I reckon. This is beginning to sound like a pretty good plan. <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's dive it before we sort of talk about our actual thoughts on Universal's plans. Let's talk about the plans themselves. So they've, as I say, June the 5th, rather surprisingly to me, this is for all three parks. So this is Universal, Islands of Adventure and Volcano Bay. I must admit, I thought water parks would be very low on the priority list just because they are inherently less sort of hygienic and uh, you would think a uh, a respiratory illness such as COVID-19 would spread more easily at a water park. You obviously yeah. can't wear face masks on water slides and in swimming pools, but question apparently is, does, it's fine. Uh, does the uh, chlorine do a good job against coronavirus? I guess that is the question there. Not as good as Dettol. Uh, from what I've been told. <laughs> Straight they, into the veins. All they have to do is fill the swimming pools up with bleach. <laughs> everyone and everyone will be absolutely will be, fine. Everyone will be completely fine, yes. Everyone manning the slides will be dressed up in those sort of Monsters, Inc. suits. <laughs> it's like uh, Homer at the, in the Simpsons introduction. Yes, yes, yes. absolutely. For a different uh, reference to the similar thing. Yeah. I hope the theme parks adopt all the sort of, I hope the Disney World parks especially. I think, you know, maybe even in a way to help the kids understand what's going on and feel more at ease, maybe they should treat this whole pandemic as a potential, what is it, what is it, a T19 from Monsters, Inc., when the guy comes uh-huh. out of the kid's bedroom with a sock on him? It's something like, we got a T19! <laughs> is it 2319? Is it a 319? I don't know. What, what is it? Is 23, it 2319. Have you just looked that up, have you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, T-19 is probably a Terminator model, actually. I mean, I, I knew that in my head. I knew it was 2319 in my head for some reason, but I, right. I, I've looked up to confirm it. So, yeah, that should be Disney's official policy, actually, sort of what to do when there's a, a 2319, i.e. a case of coronavirus. Do, do you know why it's called a 2319? Oh, it's probably a reference to uh, 
I don't know, a, a, maybe the director's book birthday. Well, that wouldn't make sense, would it? This uh, <laughs> or, um, yeah. months, Tom. Months. There are twelve months, not nineteen or twenty-three. Um, I don't know the release date of a film. I don't know uh, what, what I, is it. I think you're, you're trying to overthink it. Uh, it's, uh, it's obviously uh, white. A white sock is the first reference to a twenty-three nineteen in Monsters Inc. Uh, the 23rd letter of the alphabet is W, and the 19th letter in the alphabet is S. Ah. Therefore, 23-19. Yep. Right. Uh, right, okay. So, yes, all three of these Universal Parks opening on June the 5th. Uh, there will be a uh, three-day period from the 1st to the 4th. I guess it's a four-day period where uh, team members and select annual pass holders will be able to come in, I suppose, just to sort of test everything out, make sure things can run smoothly, because there will be a capacity limit, but you won't have to make reservations, which is what Disney have been doing in Shanghai and presumably will do in the US parks as well. But Universal are not requiring you to do that. You'll just be able to turn up on the day, and if if they're at capacity, they'll just turn you away. Seems a very strange thing to do i would have to imagine that that this will be communicated before you get to the car park because the the idea of paying twenty dollars or twenty five dollars to go and park in spiderman and then get to walk all the way up city walk and then be told oh yeah you can't come in the park is full that seems a little Uh, messed up yeah so they usually they usually put the signs for if it's full prior to paying as far as i'm aware I think you might. Yes, I think you are correct. To be fair, but um, that is something they're going to have. Bay, to... Uh, gets busy, like it has a lower capacity, so that gets busy in the peak seasons. Gets busy and full quite quickly. Right. Um, so they have that beforehand. So cool. So loads of safety measures being put in place. Again, we'll just read through these before we give our thoughts. You will have to wear a face covering. No word yet on if they'll be doing themed ones, but based on how uh, much you'd imagine that they'll be rushing to complement their 30th anniversary merch with uh, masks that fit the theme. The the theme park Twitter has been ablaze with these pictures of uh, a new line of Universal merch celebrating the 30th anniversary. If you wanted to be cynical, you could suggest that the reason they're so desperate to reopen, Josh, is so so that they can be open in time for the actual 30th anniversary. I couldn't possibly comment. Jaws burst out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, but there are some, there's some cool merch that Universal is selling in the that have that they've already been selling in the area of City Walk, um, where the turnstiles are, where those few little outdoor stalls are. Um, because as we talked about last week, City Walk had already reopened last week, partly. Uh, so yeah, there's some cool like Jaws merch and Back to the Future and King Kong, OG King Kong, some cool stuff. So masks of that ilk, I'm sure, will end up being sold. Uh, there will be temperature checks, of course, as there have been at City Walk. You'll be asked to wash your hands often, uh, maintain social distancing, so two meters apart from people who aren't in your group. There, there are going to be floor markings where appropriate to help people keep distance, so in ride lines and things like that. 
Uh, there'll be hand sanitizer stations dotted around the place as well. Uh, and then some other sort of general advice in terms of, you know, listening to team members, cast members, making sure you follow their, uh, any advice they might give you on the day that you're there. And then my favorite little, they've done all these sort of, you know, very easy to understand safety signs, you know, circular safety signs that you uh that yes. you all used everyone's used to and my favorite one is uh avoiding people avoiding contact with people who are sick <laughs> you know all those people who are clearly ill and have been allowed into the theme park don't go near them uh yeah i, I thought that was really dumb <laughs> y- yeah y- you would hope there are no sick people to avoid uh, yeah and i mean if they've passed all of the you know the the temperature check and you know all that stuff how are you meant to know that they're sick well, exactly. It's uh, it's a bit of a strange one. But uh, speaking of the temperature check, it will be 100.4 degrees. Uh, of course, I measure everything in Fahrenheit over there. So that's the limit. If you're above that, or sorry, if you're at that or above, you'll be turned away. Uh, you won't be allowed even to enter City Walk, let alone the parks. Uh, other sort of policies they're going to introduce... Uh, cashless payments, no-touch policies. I'm going to be interested to, to know how they maintain that, uh, like locker stations, which are all based on fingerprints. I, uh, um, yeah, that's a tough one. That would be like yeah. almost like a, a coronavirus like relay situation. Like, yeah, it's a hotbed, uh, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you'd like, have to. I guess you'd have to put. You'd have to load up on hand wash locations there, right? Mm. Like just outside of the lockers is just tons of uh, hand washing stations. They've changed the queue line for uh, Harry Potter, I believe, for the Forbidden Journey. Um, yeah, they have been to make pitch- that process smoother. So I don't been, know. I think they relocated the lockers. Yeah. So because... I don't know if that's going to help now, or is it <laughs> ironic if that actually makes it harder for them to d- deal with? Well, the the locker area on the Forbidden Journey has always been a total scrum. Yes, um, it's it's just a nightmare. Speaking of hand sanitizer, I know they have never got into the scented candle game, much to my disdain, because it means you have to sort of seek out scented theme park candles in places like Etsy, and you can come across some pretty good ones. I ordered an ET one for Christmas, which I think I talked about on the show before, which was quite good, actually, but it wasn't quite right. And I'd love it if Universal got into that game. And as part of it, scented hand sanitizers, Josh. Oh. Your, your hand sanitizer can smell like ET. <laughs> I'd buy heaps of the stuff. And then I would just sort of... Uh, yeah. I'd dab it on like a brush and just paint my room... <laughs> In ET hand sanitizer, so that it just constantly smells like the forest. I mean, Disney for, have like perfect setup there because they can just use all the smells from Soren. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, nothing tops ET in terms of theme park smells. I, I think the only one that comes close is, oh, well, the, some of the smells in Mickey's Philhar Magic are delightful. And as well, some of the smells on the Ratatouille ride at Walt Disney Studios in Paris oh, yeah. uh, when you're going through the kitchens are also great. But I think the thing about the E.T., uh, like the, the the smells on Phil Magic and Ratatouille are very evocative of smells you, you know already from from cooking and baking. 
but the, the yeah, ET smell is so distinct. Like if I was to randomly uh, smell that scent somewhere other than the ETQ, I would instantly be like, that smells like the ETQ. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. The ET ride is probably going to be among the least hygienic to, uh, to, to operate during a pandemic, purely because of sort of everyone, of course, holds on to the handlebars of their, handlebars, yeah. of their fake bikes. And uh, I think that the, the seating on ET is kind of inherently worse as well for uh, uh for where people tend to sweat <laughs> um so i could imagine that ride needing to be thoroughly thoroughly cleaned fairly regularly during the day but, yeah uh, you're gonna have to like almost add a cleaning station in between the drop-off and the uh loads area yeah i mean they'll be hoping that the limited capacity means that any cleaning they'll have to do of ride vehicles maybe during the day or you know 3d glasses and you know the the zappers on men in black and such things i guess they'll be hoping that the limited capacity will kind of negate the potential delays that would be caused by having to clean stuff and whatnot and as well a lot of rides that up until now haven't had the virtual line system are going to get it. So up until now, I think I'm right in saying that it's just been some of the newer stuff like Jimmy Fallon, Fast and the Furious. Hagrid. I think maybe one other as well. Hagrid got, had it. Oh, Hagrid, yeah. But they're going to start rolling that out onto some of the other rides. I know uh, Revenge of the Mummy for sure is going to have it. I mean, I didn't... I get, it's not a bad system, Uh I think the, the the from our experience, you know, it wasn't a problem per se, but we, we used the virtual queue, and when we got to the ride, it didn't really feel like I we needed to use it. If if you know what I mean, we could have just gone in the standard queue and got through it just as quickly because it wasn't that busy. So I've not maybe had the optimum virtual line experience of using it and actually feel like I've really benefited. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I didn't use it at all. Um, because Jimmy Fallon and Fast and Furious were quite short queues, so we just jumped, jumped on them. With Jimmy Fallon, there was no queue when we got there. Um, I, I guess I, fast passes at Disney World are basically the same, right? You, you but you don't have to wait walk up to the ride; you can just do it on your phone. Yeah, I guess would you know in the context of the coronavirus, the uh, need or you know the the, the idea behind rolling out the virtual queue more widely is not so much about making people queue less and saving people time. It's more just about trying to uh, avoid big gatherings wherever possible. So rather than everyone have to funnel through the same queue line to get on a ride, there's now another another way for people to get on and they'll hope that they're yeah. just essentially splitting the audience for a ride on any given day and half will end up queuing in the normal place and maybe half will end up going through the virtual line. And of course, Obviously, uh, working in tandem with the fact that there will be less people in the park because of the reduced capacity, they'll be hoping that they avoid any sort of big crowds of people in in the queues at any point. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be quite funny. Obviously, this is going to be the first time ever uh, theme park staff have told people to spread out more rather than close up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all the sort of the classic, like the the Shrek show, you know. Please use all available space in the dungeon. Prisoners keep moving up. Whereas now it's going to be like get the hell away, move back. <laughs> uh, it's going to be it's going to be weird. Um, there's nothing to suggest that uh, shows 
and, and yeah attractions where you would generally be sort of encouraged to budge right up to other people uh, there's no indication that those won't be operating so things like shrek 4d uh even you know rides where there are areas of the the pre-ride stuff the queue and then i guess you know in gringotts for example they consider the start of the attraction to be when you kind of get in that lift and you see some of the pre-show and all those kinds of areas people are encouraged to really uh scoot up close to each other but i assume they won't be encouraged to do that but the rides are still going to be operating so i guess again much as the case here whilst there is going to be some enforcement they're also probably going to just be relying on people to show common sense and to be honest i get the uh the the desire for people to go back out and try and resume some sort of normal life and theme parks you know people view as a form of escapism but i'd have to question anyone's common sense who would want to be going to a theme park as early as june 5th to be honest especially when there are still you know hundreds and hundreds of cases a day being reported in florida i think yesterday well, we were recording on a saturday and if i'm right in saying i looked this up last night i think yesterday they recorded over 700 new cases and as is the case in every country not everyone who has it will end up getting tested i wouldn't have thought so it's probably like more widespread than they know about and yeah, well, I'd, no, i think i'd as- struggle to as Donald Trump said, you only have as many cases as you have tests. So <laughs> that's true. You're very, you're very, you're very, you're very right there. I should have, I should have remembered that. <sighs> it's one of like I don't know. Like if I lived in the in the near vicinity to Orlando, one I'd be on the like other sort of not other end of the spectrum, but I'd be more inclined to just go out because everyone else is because that's what the local culture is um and if i was living on my own then i wouldn't necessarily feel that much of a risk going i don't think right um you know i i still i you know i live with my parents uh i'm not clearly not going to take a flight to orlando (laughs) for the weekend to go to universal but um i mean if they if these prices but like this when the virus wasn't on i probably would well yeah i mean i i'm i'm i must admit i'm sort of hankering for a trip somewhere at this point i don't know if the introduction to this show made it clear at all but i am slowly losing my mind and i'd quite liked you know the idea of a trip somewhere i'm i'll be chomping at the bit to do to to go somewhere i think as soon as is safe and we're kind of allowed to do it and it's not considered kind of you know inherent you know overly risky i i appreciate the argument that well every time you leave the house is a risk and i think everyone will have to get to a point where you know if we're to live alongside this virus people will just have to accept well look i might get it you can't stay indoors for your entire life yeah Uh, especially when i run out of clone wars episodes to watch then i really will be (laughs) Uh, struggling to occupy myself line but, of duty tom oh yeah line of duty of course sorry um yeah well, maybe well, maybe that bit. No, well, rebels will be next josh tool. rebels will be next yes um i don't know if there's any other star wars stuff to watch after that if i get through the whole of clone wars and rebels i feel like i might have actually watched everything done the mandalorian done all the movies all eight movies <laughs> and yeah 
Uh, I even watched some weird fan. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm normally so desperate to watch some Star Wars. I, I even watched some weird sort of fan fiction thing at the end of last year. And I'm have not you, sure. Uh, have you ever sought out the Christmas special? <laughs> no, I have. I haven't actually. I've heard incredible things about that. <laughs> Maybe that's your uh, next mission. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Um, but yeah, the idea of going on a trip somewhere is is appealing, especially as, as you say, if it, if it's all of a sudden quite cheap to do, you know, whether it's to go to Florida or California or Disney Paris or you know wherever it might be, even somewhere like Europa Park, which I, I've wanted to do for a while. It, it does. It's definitely appealing, but I think uh, I, I'll need to I'll need to sort of see how things progress over the next few months. And yeah, I don't think I would have any desire to go to a theme park as early as the fifth of June. But um, yeah, we we don't have that option right now anyway because there's no real sign of when UK theme parks are going to reopen. No, July at the earliest they're saying, right? Yeah, I mean the For, like kind of anything. Yeah, the government says it wants to reopen parts of the hospitality industry from the 4th of July. But, yeah, I guess we'll we'll know a little earlier than that whether or not that's going to happen because they'll have to give businesses a few weeks' notice, one would have thought. But, yeah, it's too early to say at this point. Um, still probably a month to go until we'll know what's happening with the uh, the plans for July. Yes. But, yeah, that's Universal Orlando. I don't think we've really missed anything other than the opening uh, times, which are 9 to 6 for the two main theme parks, uh, 10 to 5 for Volcano Bay, and 8 till 10, uh, that's 8 in the morning till 10 at night, for City Walk. So, yeah, back on the yeah. 5th of June. And it's worth noting as well, uh, Universal presented these plans and there was like widespread reports during the week that all of the major theme park companies in Orlando were going to present to Orange County about their plans to reopen. There was a lot of fervor that it wasn't just going to be Universal, but also Disney World and SeaWorld as well. But then SeaWorld didn't end up presenting and then neither did Disney. So it's just Universal by themselves and they are going ahead with this plan for the 5th of June. So um, it would seem as like Disney and SeaWorld are going to be... I guess, you know, at this point, they'll probably wait and see, right? And see how things go at Universal, I, I feel like. And then, yeah, and then I feel like, react from there. I don't know. Yeah, you'd think SeaWorld would be very keen to get open again. Mm. Um, but who knows? Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, Disney have dipped their toe in the water somewhat in Florida because Disney Springs reopened this week. Uh shopping and dining area of course the majority of it outdoors uh again there's you know the same sort of measures that we talked about for universal are in place here so people are um being you know being told they have to wear masks adhere to social distancing there are uh you know signage on the ground to help people stay apart and that kind of thing uh, not everything is reopened yet in terms of all the shops and dining options, but it seems like a fair amount of it is, and people were queuing up for stuff uh, and seemingly yeah. pretty excited to be there. So, yeah, that's that's Disney Springs operating in much the same way as City Walk at the moment, I think. But Yeah, one of the YouTubers that I watch, um, the Tim Tracker, uh, was invited to like a preview event for it to kind of show off, you know, what you know they're doing and that sort of thing. Um, the wonderful world of disney is that what the shop's called yes uh, that's going to be one way so oh, you have right. to walk in one entrance and walk out the other entrance and you have to walk through 
Um, and yeah, you can only take your mask off when eating. Uh, and if you have, if you're, if you've bought something from like, but not in a restaurant, you have to kind of be stationary while you eat it, and then, um, once you finished it, put your mask straight back on. How long until do you think we see on Dragon's Den or something someone who's invented a face mask with a zip? <laughs> Unzip it so that you can eat and then zip it back up. Um, It'll make you look like a weird um, like Nightmare Before Christmas character. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it's but, not something I could get behind, if I'm honest. No, it doesn't sound very hygienic. Uh, speaking well, of World of Disney, like, though... It sounds like a gimp mask. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not appropriate for Disney... <laughs> Disney sites, a gimp mask, Disney themed gimp masks. Um, but yes, World of Disney, one, one, one way in, one way out makes sense because that shop is madness. Uh, I regularly yeah. get lost in there and lose my family. So yeah, I can see why they would want to enforce uh, very particular guidelines within that shop because yeah, it's easy to end up getting lost and going around the entire shop in random directions and brushing up against all sorts of people because they are very, very efficient with their use of floor space in that shop. There's very oh, little yeah. just dead space. As big as that shop is, it is absolutely rammed with stuff. So, yeah, I think they're going to have to be careful with how that one operates. That seems like a shop that would be very difficult to social distance in. Yeah, for sure. The um The one that's slightly further along, the like kind of upper... The, the more upper class of the shops. Uh, that's also where they do the photography. Um, that's got quite a lot of space. Um, I can't remember what that one's called. It's got like a. It's, it looks. It's a bit like boutique. It's got different sections. It's oh, got like I a homeware section. Yes, a, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it might just be. Is it just called the marketplace or something like that? Oh, it might be. Yeah. It used to be the. the did it used to be the sports shop? Do you remember uh, the the Disney World of Sports shop? Yeah, that it was might be. It might have really been, good, yeah. actually. Uh, my dad used to buy some cool Disney golf gear in there every year. Uh, I think still got some of it, like grumpy um, ball markers and uh, yes. you know golf club covers, of course. Yeah, uh, it's a. It's now like part of it is like an art workshop and. Part of it's like homeware, so it's got like glassware and that sort of thing. And D- then D Tech, you can get a D-tech, custom phone yeah. case made. Uh, and then it's got like some of the fashion, Disney fashion stuff. It's where I got my uh, pajamas from. Ah, very nice, very nice. Yeah. So presumably, if they start selling face masks, that will be the place to get them. Uh, oh yeah, if they've got a fashion section. For sure. Cool. Uh, yeah, so that's Disney Springs. That is that is open again uh, to an extent. Uh, in other Disney news, and I'll admit this is um, a bit above my pay grade. I don't know if you'll be able to talk uh, more thoroughly about this, Josh. But uh, Bob Chapek, of course, has become CEO of the whole company. Yeah, uh, super although weird. Bob Iger is still kind of hanging around to help navigate the pandemic. Uh, Bob Chapek, of course, was head of Disney Parks experiences and products. Uh, didn't have a great reputation for his work there, to be fair. He's now been replaced by Josh DeMauro, who was the president of Walt Disney World. Uh, He apparently does have a good reputation, and I'm basing this off basically uh, the Diz Unplugged podcast that I listen to speak very, very highly of this Josh DeMauro on a 
almost weekly basis they seem to think he really cares about the guest experience he really cares about the cast member uh, experience and their welfare as well it, it's difficult for me to kind of you know people hate Bob Chapek because of the way, the ways in which he's overseen the parks yeah, uh, and, a, and a perceived lack of investment and that kind of thing so I do sort of you know, I, I do. Is there sort of a contradiction in a way? You know, if JPEG is placing all these limits upon what the parks can do and how much money they have to spend, you know, is Demaro is he is he kind of you know doing his best in difficult circumstances, or is he kind of yeah. just as much to blame? Or you know, what, what is it? There seems to be a bit of a disconnect between how people see JPEG and how people see this Josh Demaro chap, and like is how it, much scope yeah. now that he's got JPEG's old job will he actually have to sort of spend more kind of you know work the parks in his image whatever that image might be you know it's difficult to know you know this perceived lack of investment in the parks has that been a very very chapek driven thing or is it just a fact of reality that he's been given less money to work with he's been told from on high that you have to spend less it's difficult to say really i'm not as clued in on it so i'm just kind of spitballing yeah, I mean, question is, I guess, if this, you know, Bob Chapek being moved up, uh, does this change anything? Is, does, is Chapek still going to rain down his regime, I guess you could say? Um, yeah, I, it's, I don't know. Or is, or is Josh Damara <laughs> going to be able to, you know, do what he wants to do? And, and is what he wants to do uh, what the fans want? Yeah, uh, I, it's, it's I, quite hard to say. I believe he's um, kind of meant to be very visible. Uh, you, you see him or have seen him walking around the Florida parks since he's been in that job. Right, yeah. I, I think but Putin's uh, quite visible. <laughs> yes, it's true. Yes, there are pictures of Josh Damaro uh, on horseback with his shirt off riding <laughs> up the mountain of Expedition Everest for uh, propaganda shots. Um, I've heard he's got hole-in-ones on every hole at Disney World. Oh, right. Yeah, I could believe that. Speaking yeah. of propaganda pictures, uh, part of the reason I sort of became more aware of him was that there were some slightly unfortunate pictures of that last night at Disney at Magic Kingdom before they shut. Uh, he was out and about kind of hugging people and hand, you know, shaking people's hands and kind of making a real sort of really of dialing into this kind of party atmosphere that had developed. Like, oh, you know we're closing but we'll be back soon let's have this great send off to the park and it, it kind of made me feel a bit uncomfortable watching that uh, and I'd, maybe he didn't cover himself in glory I'm sure it wasn't you know malicious at all it was maybe just a bit naive on his part but it wasn't I'm kind of getting I'd, caught up in the moment yeah but I didn't think the optics were brilliant so yeah I don't know if he'll you know address that at any point because it did seem a little uh, tone deaf, I would say. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's been at I, Disney, you know, he's been ver- in various roles at Disney. He was present at Disneyland before he was at Disney World. So that seemed like a pretty natural progression. And he had various other gigs before that too. Um, but yeah, head of Disney Parks is, you know, the, well, based on Chapex trajectory, that's one of the top jobs you can have without just flat out leading the entire company. So yeah it's, it's it's come as part of like a kind of raft of um promotions actually um so uh ken potrock 
no, sorry, uh, Jeff Vale, uh, who was formerly president of the Disney Disney Signature Experiences, uh, is now president of Walt Disney World. Um, and you got Ken Potrock, uh, who's is now uh, head of president of Disneyland. Uh, guy who's president of Disney Imagineering is now uh, president of Consumer Products, Games, and Publishing. Um, so yeah, there's and then uh, another guy who was in charge of resort and transportation operations uh, at Disney World has now become head of Disney sing- Signature Experiences. So um, you know, a raft of changes all the way up, it seems, all the way down. Yeah. I mean, it's just a domino effect, I guess, right? So yeah. the Chapek move um, and Damaro filling his old job, it's just created this sort of, yeah, domino effect with loads of jobs that suddenly need filling. Um, it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether or not there's a very obvious change in direction at all uh, in any of these divisions. But from our point of view, obviously, the parks specifically... Uh, there's still plenty of you know there's been a lot of investment in the florida parks over the last couple of years you know for all the uh i guess complaining uh about the way chapek has run things i think it's kind of the lower level stuff that maybe the very regular park goers have noticed maybe have been not quite so good but at, yeah. at a broad level in terms of the big projects that you know i don't think there can be too many complaints about how those have turned out so yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of how things go over the next little while, especially the, you know, the Disney have kind of really been pushing the whole Epcot project and it'll be interesting to see if that is impacted at all by the coronavirus. I mean, something I hadn't thought of, which I was kind of came to my attention earlier in the week was, I think we talked a few weeks ago about whether or not, you know, some of the construction at, at Epcot could be pushed back or delayed because of this, whether or not Epcot might just stay shut for as long as it takes to finish some of the projects they've got rather than reopen in a compromised state because of the virus and also because of the state of the park with all the work that's going on in future world. But also, you know, the one part of the park that hasn't got so much going on in terms of new projects right now, the World Showcase, is obviously staffed by people all over the world. And international travel is not going to be something that is still not really being encouraged or advised. So having sent everyone home very controversially when the park shut uh it's going to be a challenge to say the least to restart the world showcase uh, i was just yeah. gonna have to hire locals and just be like just do give us your best italian accent and see how <laughs> and you get everyone on everyone is going to be dick van dyke and mary poppins <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> to, to be fair i'd make it make me more likely to rush back to world showcase yeah. if everyone oh, mary poppins <laughs> yeah. Going? yeah i could get behind that that would be quite funny um but yeah, uh, changes across the board at Disney, uh, parks included. Uh, staying in Florida, just quickly, uh, Universal won't be the first, I guess if you want to call it, major theme park to reopen because if, if you put Legoland into that camp, and I don't know if you do, Josh, but I guess it's a big uh, brand, Lego. I, I wouldn't put Florida Legoland into that camp. Right. No, okay. But you'd put it above like Fun Spot, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because Fun, Fun Spot's uh, Orlando an actual theme park. Well, yes, but Fun Spot's Orlando location has said they're reopening. 
uh, and Legoland Florida is reopening on the 1st of June, so a few days before uh, Universal. So, yeah, that they got approval from uh, the state, so they will be back 10 a.m. till 5. Uh, they've got a water park as well, and that will also be reopened. So, again, you know, a little bit baffled by that. I'd always just kind of assume mm. that oh, the water parks will be uh, further down the road map. But, nope, they are <laughs> right up front with the other yeah. parks. Um, uh, that just... is uh, run by Merling Entertainment, the same people that run all of the parks in the U.K., Ah, so I wonder if we could look to this at all for any indication of their approach here. Maybe. Uh, but, uh, yeah, park we open 10 to 5 daily, as I said, uh, water park as well. Uh, much like Universal, there'll be kind of new operational uh, measures in place. Uh, visitors will uh, have to park. Uh, leaving an empty space between each vehicle. Uh, they're also being encouraged to buy their tickets online before driving to the park. Uh, all sense. transactions once you're there will be cashless and visitors will also be encouraged to wear masks and disposable masks will be available upon request. Uh, doesn't seem like they're going to be mandatory though, uh, and uh, but just based on the wording as well, in terms of buying tickets up front, it's encouraged. It doesn't suggest that it's going to be mandatory. There will be temperature checks at the park entrance as well. Um, and, uh, I don't uh, think Legoland in Florida is particularly busy, right. generally, anyway. Um, it's uh, It took over from a, uh, a park that was there beforehand, um, and it's kind of building its brand, I guess, over there. Mm. So it's not, um, so that which is why uh, I guess uh, it's not definitely not in the top flight of the Universal and the Disney uh, world, but uh, it's trying to get there slowly but surely. Yes, um, hand sanitizing stations all over the shop, limited capacity in stores, restaurants, and on rides, empty rows or seats being left between parties. There'll be markers place throughout the park as well to kind of remind people to stay two meters away from one another in certain locations and i thought this was kind of a neat idea is that um children will be measured in terms of uh, their height at the front of the park when they get their temperature checked and then given a wristband that will indicate which rise they are tall enough to go on so they won't That's have cool. to uh, you know stand up against the measuring sticks Every single ride, they'll just do it once and then get a wristband to say, yep, this kid's clear to do X and Y, but not Z, or can do all three and that kind of thing. So They should was... probably just do that anyway. You, actually, yes. Uh, I think a lot of the discourse around this whole pandemic in life generally has been, oh, you know, what has this actually taught us about ways in which society can be better or cleaner or safer or more efficient or you know how we can just be nicer to people etc at a very very low level uh the idea of not having to measure your kid at every ride i'm going to go ahead and say that could be one of the best things to come out of this <laughs> if yeah. you now just do that once to get a wristband that sounds like a much better idea regardless of a virus so i'm on board with that Good shout, I mean, Josh. you'd have to get measured at the front of every park as well, right? I get it. Well, well, yes, I, I clearly. <laughs> uh, and then heading on over to Europe, we talked a few weeks back about some of the big European parks that were getting uh, had set themselves reopening dates. Um, Europa Park being one of them in Germany, and I think as of recording, it 
I don't know, it might just about have reopened by the time of next week's episode, or we'll be very close. Uh, I want to say it might be the 29th of May they'd said they were going to reopen, but I might be wrong on that. It's it's late uh, May that anyway. right. Um, but Efteling, which is another one of the, uh, I guess, most popular European theme parks, this one in the Netherlands, has already reopened. And uh, again, lots of the same sort of measures that we've already talked about in terms of masks and capacity and social distancing and contactless payments and hand sanitizing stations. Uh, but the main reason I wanted to bring it up other than just, you know, as a footnote to say, hey, it's open, is that there was a fantastic clip that went uh, was doing the rounds on Twitter earlier in the week of a way in which they were serving uh, some of their fast food options at their uh, stalls. Uh, this one in particular was one of those kind of twirled, uh, swirly potatoes skewered on a stick, and they were being slid down this sort of cardboard slide from the stall holder uh, down towards the customer a couple of metres away, which I thought was great. Uh, I think yeah, they should I'm become increasingly that. elaborate over the course of the pandemic, like maybe put a loop-de-loop in it or some, some, <laughs> some cork roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, maybe they could put like little... Um, uh, little uh, uh, restraints could come down over the hot dog or whatever you've ordered to make sure it doesn't fly out of its <laughs> out of its uh, napkin or whatever. That could be that could be great fun. I feel like there's potential there. I think you've uh, you stunned up, Tom. Get him in the business. Yes, absolutely. Uh, quite why I'm not involved at the top level rather than just doing podcasts in my bedroom. I don't know, but yeah. uh, this is what just I do. Who? exactly call me josh if you're listening i've got i'm full of these great ideas absolutely full of them uh speaking of doing podcasts in my bedroom that's been another podcast in my bedroom josh unless you've got anything else to add uh no that has been another podcast in my bedroom (laughs) it has uh this sounds weird but i long for the day when uh it's purely a podcast in your bedroom and not both bedrooms Yes. Uh, disclaimer that that's the studio. Uh, that it's considered the studio. Studio B for yeah. Beast. Yes. <laughs> um, okay, well. I've had to uh, stop construction on the uh, roller coaster in the garden as well. Oh, right. But construction workers are being encouraged to go back to work now. So surely that can start getting going again. Uh, yeah, we're in the process of uh, winding back up. but uh, Right. Okay, yeah. cool. Well, I, I, maybe maybe by next week's episode, you'll have an update on that. Oh, yes. Uh, until then, though, you can follow the Park Rush podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Park Rush Podcast. You can email us, podcast at parkrush.com. You can find us at parkrush.com. And every episode is also available on your preferred podcasting app if you'd like to subscribe. And uh, we come out every Sunday, of course. Uh, that's going to do it thanks very much for listening and uh, we'll catch you next time goodbye goodbye